I think something I've learned over the years is to be, you know, comfortable in your own skin, not to doubt yourself in, you know, situations like industry events and stuff like that. Like you can hold your own and what you have to say is important no matter, you know, your age or how much you've, you know, achieved in your career. I think just to just to feel like you belong is important because you do, you know, everyone's started somewhere and everybody has been in the same boat. So I think for me, like a big, you know, part of this industry is, you know, going to those events and meeting people and networking and it does not come naturally to me, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a skill you learn. Welcome to Songwriter Trysts. This is an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I love talking with other artists about the power of songwriting and their journey to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. Please support the podcast by subscribing or you can buy us a coffee all through the website songwritertrists.com. Welcome to a songwriter tryst with Melanie Dyer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. I am looking forward to talking to you about so much of your music, but I'm going to start by getting you to tell me a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Yeah, well, I'm Melanie Dyer and I'm a country singer songwriter. Um, and I grew up on a farm in regional New South Wales, just outside of a small town called Inverell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mount Russell is where the farm is and my family are still there. It's a sheep and cropping farm and, um, yeah, I'm fourth generation on that on that land and I grew up, wow. you know, out in the country and there's not much to do out there so I picked up a guitar, um, I guess, to pass the time and, and write down my kind of experience in, you know, living on the land and being so close to Tamworth. I think that's how I, you know, got into country music and, mm. you know, my mum would sort of play it around the house a lot, particularly like Australian country music and, and a lot of female country music and I loved it. So that's kind of where it all began and, you know, going to Tamworth from like maybe 11 years old, I think I've missed one in that whole time. I'm nearly wow. 30. So, <laughs> so you're like <laughs> part of the furniture there now? It feels like it. I think I'm I'm one of many, you know, many pieces of furniture because so many people have that sort you know story of going to Tamworth for years and years. Um and yeah, it's that's kind of how it all began, I guess. The, you know, geographically being located so close and, and growing up on a farm, it just made sense to sing country music. Mm-hmm. So it's just where you're from, it was what influenced you. Do you when you say your mum was playing it around the house, did she actually play and sing or was she um just putting it on like the radio mostly just putting it on you know cds and tapes and whatever but um she had a guitar and that's the guitar that I learned to play so she we'd you know play some chords and sing she has a beautiful voice but she would never get on stage she was just so you know so had so much stage fright and um didn't like the spotlight and she um but she had a guitar and she taught me you know a few chords and 
we used to, you know, drive the half an hour into town to go to school and work and mum and I would just sing, you know, sing along to songs and I'd harmonise and, yeah. So she's kind of like living through you a little bit. She's enjoying watching your journey and... Oh, sort of, but it's mostly the, you know, the ups and downs of the industry. You know, you call your mum and, and she's there every step of the way with, you know, whatever stage of this industry I'm I'm in. She's like, she's so supportive. Um, so she's beautiful. she's almost the opposite of a stage mum though. She's kind of like, she would never like sit front row at a gig. She'd always be up the back hiding. Like yeah. it's so funny. She's such a facial person as well. So we have this joke where I'm like, I just can't look at you when I'm singing because she's <laughs> like everything that I feel she feels and I can read her face at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's like she just, yeah, she's she's awesome and very supportive. I love that. But there are people like that that you're really close to when you're performing live. If you can see their face, sometimes they might not even be thinking what we think they're thinking, but it can throw – I have that as well. It throws you. If there's someone that you love and care about and they know you and then they make a weird face while you're singing, you're like, oh, no, what happened? Like, no, no, and they know like yeah, and they, like, they know you so well. Like, you know, you might say something and their face will go like, oh, that's, you know, what did you just no, say? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I – it's so funny. I'm exactly the same. I'm the most facial person. Like, if I'm thinking something, it's on my face. So. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love that. That's beautiful. So um, outside of your mum and that influence of country, where do you think the, what inspired you? Like, do you think there was someone or something that really was like a a moment that made you go, this is who I want to be? I don't, I feel like it was a bit of a slow burn for me. I, I didn't, you know, as a kid, it was something I did so naturally sing and, you know, play music, but I was never like, I want to be on stage and I want to be in the spotlight. I was always out of my three sisters. I have two sisters and mm-hmm. I'm the youngest. And out of the three of us, we've got all these home videos of us singing on the coffee table to our nana, you know, Aww. like little talent quests and like putting on a show. Um, and, and I was always the, the one that was really shy and people had to push me to get up there and sing. And it's so funny that I've been become the one that, you know, is doing it. <laughs> for a living but um I don't I just love songwriting I think and that's that's probably I feel like I'm kind of like this vessel for for just putting out um I guess stories and and sharing music with people and having that connection with people is something that I really you know need and 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 I feel like I don't know there's nothing else I've I've ever wanted to do so I feel like I've just been kind of put on this earth to do it but I would I was influenced a lot by you know, um, the McClymonts and yeah. seeing them in concert when I was really young, or not really young, but, you know, seeing them in concert when I was about, you know, 15 or so at that yeah. time when I was, That's you know, who am I going to Yeah, it's pretty young, you know, yeah. but they were also pretty young at that stage, mm. you know. And seeing them up there, they, they were the three sisters on stage, so beautiful, and I just thought I would love to be able to do that with my sisters. But ultimately I just I, I loved that and, you know, being a part of that experience and and um yeah I just resonated with their songs and they grew up in Grafton which is not far from Inverell where I grew up and it just felt like something I could do as well you know well they showed you what was like what was possible totally Um, yeah yeah I think when we live in a world where like I grew up in a country town as well but 
I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone else that kind of was maybe cl- in close proximity to me that was like, this is an option. <laughs> like you could actually yeah. do music. When I went to my careers counsellor at high school, it was like, I want to do music. And it's like, okay, but what are you going to do for a job? <laughs> like, oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> maybe. I'll and it was very, <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that in my town as well. But I was so lucky that I, you know, mum was so proactive in finding you know, opportunities for me as a kid in a country town and, and you know, she would get online and find how, you know, scholarships or how to be involved in the school spectacular when I was a kid. Um, so I, right through my whole high school, you know, grade 7 to 12, I was back and forth to Sydney, yeah. um, you know, school spectacular and the talent development project and I was always sort of just developing um my music through that whole time so I'm I'm really grateful for that tell us about your songwriting experience through that and and where you're at now how do you think you've developed as an artist and what are you trying to do with your songwriting oh that's the ultimate question (laughs) I feel like my songwriting is always just evolving and changing um I'm never kind of trying to do something it's just kind of um what I'm living at the time and what I'm experiencing for example you know, I have, you know, I started writing really country songs. I was on the farm going to Tamworth. Then I moved to the city. I moved to Sydney when I was 18, 19. And um, I was just influenced by the city then and the commercial radio stations and pop music. And I just opened my eyes to this whole other sound and, you know, opened my ears. Mm. Yeah, New South (laughs) City sounds. And I started working with producers that were pop producers. They didn't work on country music really at all and mm-hmm. that sort of just shaped my sound and my songwriting to be more pop country yeah. and um yeah and then you know now I'm back in this stage where it's kind of gone a little bit full circle and I'm doing so many rodeos and country music festivals and I'm out on the road of going to the outback to the Simpson Desert to play Big yeah. Red Bash yeah. and Monday Monday and, and that's influenced me to come back a little bit more towards country for this chapter so it's always kind of changing with my my style and my direction for songwriting yeah it's a part of a life growth thing especially when you are young everything changes so much and you're influenced by so much and then I don't know at some point it might settle but I don't think it should I don't think you know you just yeah. grow and you have kids and, and I think life changes <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have kids yet, but I don't even know how I, I, people manage that in, in this life, this day and age. It's, it's amazing, you know, if you can be a parent and do this at the same time <laughs> uh, or do anything really. Lots but, of support. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what you do when you have kids, you just got to take support. Totally. I, I see that. Um, but I think the genre is changing so much as well with country music. It's, it's just having all these different moments, I think, with, with, um, like a fusion of styles. It might be pop country at the moment. It's a bit like alt country, you know, indie kind of rootsy and, and it's kind of always changing. So that keeps it fresh it's as a, a songwriter. It's a debate, isn't it? That has no answer really, like within the yeah. genre. <laughs> you can continue to talk until the, the cows come home, but there's no real hard and fast answer. What about um, being in Australia, being a female in country music, um, what's been your experience and what do you think um, has been your biggest lessons throughout your journey? Because you've been doing it a while now. Like what would you say are the biggest things you've learned on this journey? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think learning some patience <laughs> is is a good thing, a good thing to have because 
often you're sort of just rushing and, and racing towards something and thinking that you've got to keep this momentum and you're going to lose all your, you know, um, growth if you have a break or, you know, don't release a song every three months or whatever it is. I think mm. just finding your own pace and being okay with the fact that you might have a moment and then it's someone else's moment and then it might come back around. You know, you never, it's not a steady trajectory. It's a very ebb and flow kind of mm -hmm. um, career path. So I guess just learning to be okay with that and that's something I'm still learning. You know, mm -hmm. it's there's always why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? What can I do? Should I change this? Should I go that way? But I think at the end of the day, like if it's meant to be, your time will come and that might be your certain style or your sound or your voice um, or just the fact that, you know, it's time for a female to have a moment or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, but, yeah, I think just being okay with the pace that mm -hmm. things are going is a lesson I've learned. <laughs> it is definitely an emotional journey. Like the whole release cycle is an emotional, like the artistic emotions is entwined with the release and you kind of do, I think you get better at it the more you release, you kind of get better at recognising the signs of the emotional flow. Can you give us yeah. an example of maybe one of the first times you had to deal with that emotional roller coaster and what what you found was the hardest and what was, you know, what was the lessons from that? Um. Gosh, I, one example I can't exactly pinpoint, but I think just any release, I think it's getting a little bit harder these days because you can see, you can physically see statistics of, and who's listening and how many people and what playlists you get and whatever. Mm. So it's all there for everybody to see and it gets a bit, you know, overwhelming when you put pressure on yourself to achieve a certain, you know, amount of streams in the first week or if you don't get this playlist, you know, what's going to happen. But you know, you think about even five years ago, that wasn't really a thing. I mean, maybe five years ago it was, but 10 years ago. It, it wasn't, wasn't a as heavily weighted as it is yeah. today. Yeah. It wasn't a part of the stress of, of music. I think it's become a little bit more um, stat-focused and, you know, mm. getting the numbers. I hate that part of it. Um, but, yeah, Same, I guess, yeah, yeah I, I can't exactly think of, you know, a specific time, but, like I said, it's just always, <laughs> it's always up and down in this industry. I had this debate recently and we can not talk about it, that's okay, but it's in, I'd be interested to see what your opinion is of it because the streaming systems, like when you get your Apple royalty checks and things like that, I don't know if you've got publishers or whatever, but um, the streaming stuff is always, you know, usually the minimal part of your earnings. And, and I was like, you know, what would that even look like if songwriters did that? And for me, I look at it, I'm like, you know, if I if I actually got rid of my music off streaming services financially, I wouldn't even notice. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't even hit my back pocket. Um, so why yeah. do we do it? Why why are we continuing to put it up there? Have you what what are your thoughts on this sort of topic? And I'm totally happy to like not. I'm just curious yeah. because it's been a hot topic lately. Yeah, I think it's such a, a new like industry it's such a new thing for music and for consumers and the market and on one hand it's it's like yes songwriters need to be paid more and artists need to be paid you know for the streams of their songs and I think we'll get there eventually because people are rallying and and you know making a stand and saying you know we deserve to be compensated for this like music is everything you know you every every sort of 
everything you do in everyday life, there's music involved and it makes the world a better place, in my opinion. But I think as an artist you, and a songwriter, you, you, if you sit back, I mean, Garth Brooks can, you know, decide not to have his music on Spotify and that's amazing. But for the, the little guys like me, yeah. if you're not, if you're not on there, you're not being heard by hundreds of thousands of, if not millions of people. It's and discover factor. Yeah, it's the discover factor. And and I have found so many of my favorite artists through Spotify and, and Apple Music and streaming. And it's amazing to be able to be put on a playlist alongside some amazing artists and amazing, you know, songs against songs that are similar. And the, the curating of that is amazing for people to discover new music. So I think it's an amazing tool and it's essential. Um, but I think we've got a bit of a way to go for that, you know, royalty compensation for what songwriters are worth. It is it is an incredible tool and I think you're right. I think that's exactly why we're there, to be accessible and findable. And I agree. I think that the rates need to be renegotiated. Um, I'd love it if there was like a non-for-profit type structure, just like PPCA and APRA, like those people who collect mm. royalties for us. They're a non-for-profit organisation that all the money they earn goes back into the industry. And I think yeah. I feel like that would be the best form of a streaming system so that that option is there but the money that is being made from it goes back into the arts in some way. That would be amazing. And oh, I love, yeah, APRA, <laughs> APRA and PPCA are like our lifesavers, honestly. I mm. um, was so lucky to to win the APRA Professional Development Award um, in 2022, maybe it was last year. I can't remember, <laughs> but, um, and, and APRA are, are so supportive of writers mm-hmm. and creatives and emerging songwriters. And that, that was hugely helpful for me, you know, to get on a plane and go to Nashville or to fund, you know, writing trips or just, you know, yeah. some time you spend writing songs and don't really get paid for mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you made it. So yeah, APRA and PBCA, they're amazing. They're absolutely incredible and essential and they're incredibly supportive of the podcast. And you're right, of like creating opportunities for younger sort of up-and-coming people to connect into the industry, which like yourself being in the country um, or being isolated, you know, it is, you've got to find opportunities and they're the ones that are putting on these events to to get to and meet people. So it's really good. Tell me about the best advice you have for, say, younger girls who are maybe a little bit like you or being inspired by you or even if you were talking to your younger self, you went back in time and you gave yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to them getting into this industry? Um, I think something I've learned over the years is to be, you know, comfortable in your own skin, not to doubt yourself in, you know, situations like industry events and stuff like that. Like you can hold your own and what you have to say is important no matter, you know, your age or how much you've, you know, achieved in your career. I think just to just to feel like you belong is important because you do. You know, everyone's started somewhere and everybody has been in the same boat. So I think for me, like a big, you know, part of this industry is, you know, going to those events and meeting people and networking and it does not come naturally to me, mm-hmm. but I think it's a skill you learn. Um, and you know, you, you don't want to, you have to walk into a room and sell yourself or whatever. That's very unnatural, but mm. I think just to feel like you belong and, you know, you deserve a chance to be there and show people what you've got as well is, is important. And 
just that inner doubt, that voice of inner doubt, um, yeah. you know, that can sometimes get a bit loud just to try and, you know, block that out and know what you're doing and just kind of hold your own. So, yeah, I guess, I guess that's that's a big part of this industry too, not just getting on stage and it's the same thing, you know. It's your stage and it's your moment, so you deserve yeah. to, you know, use that moment and show people what you got, you know. It's, it's an interesting concept because um, we all want to belong and we all want to be somewhere that, you know, we feel like we're wanted, right? But no one in the history of making music was invited to start writing songs. <laughs> like, like that's it. Yeah. <laughs> no one's like, oh, you should do this, and like you should just like no people just did it. You, just, you, you no one like we're all making music. No one's asked us to make. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. No one's going. We want you to make this song. I mean, maybe if you become massive and you are Garth Brooks, like you might have some fans going, make me this song. But um, at the beginning. You don't do it because someone's asked you to. And if you're waiting for that invite or waiting for someone to knock on your door and go, you should be a country rock pop star, <laughs> no yeah. one's ever going to do it. You've got to, you've it got to knock happen. on your own door. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does, does happen. Yeah. You have to knock down the doors uh, a lot of the time <laughs> as well. And yeah. and I think, yeah, if, if that's it, you've got to be your biggest champion and, and, you know, if you've got supportive family and friends, that's amazing. But mm-hmm. sometimes you just feel like you, you're on your own and it's a bit of a battle, an uphill battle to try and, you know, um, get get somewhere and, or be heard or have, you know, get that festival or get that gig or, Get in that room with those people you want to write a song with. So, yeah, just just try and believe in yourself and like know you know know what it is that makes you different and makes you stand out and really just connect with that. And yeah, I think it's really good advice. Yeah, and it is true though, <laughs> isn't it? It's like you've just got to do follow what your body is telling you to do. Um, I want to talk about dust because that's your most recent single. Tell us about the experience, the song, what you're hoping for it. And everyone's going to go and listen to it after this. <laughs> <laughs> go stream it. Yeah. Uh, no, go buy it. Go buy it on go, go iTunes. Go buy it. iTunes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this song, it's a little bit of a curveball for me, uh, I guess, off the back of my more pop country stuff. Um, but I'm, I released my second album last year and I'm now in the next phase, I guess, of whatever's coming next. And it's kind of exciting because I don't know what that even looks like. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> go with what I feel and... I've been doing a lot of rodeos this year and a lot of obviously outback kind of country festivals, long distance traveling, you know, to the middle of nowhere through these small country towns. I should get you a helicopter. It's yeah, I know, <laughs> <but> it <laughs> um, Yeah, and I, I sort of, I guess, wrote down just the title Dust in my phone. I, I have so many just random words or phrases or whatever. Mm. And I wrote down Dust and... Um, I was driving along one day with my partner and I had the the whole melody of the hook there. Whoa. And I was like, can you please record this? I'm driving. So yeah. I was like, get <laughs> the phone first. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Safety first. I was like, you have to record this melody. And and he did. And um, it's just sat in the phone for maybe a month or two. Mm-hmm. So did the title, Dust. They didn't yep. exist together yet. Mm-hmm. But um. I went into the studio with my partner Jackson and with Gavin Carfoot and Nolan Wynn in Brisbane. I think it was the day before CMC Rocks, actually. And um, like, what are we going to write about? And I was like, I've got this melody, I've got this title, put them together. <laughs> and um, yeah, the boys were like straight onto it. I think Nolan was like, yeah, the dust, we don't let it settle. I was like, yeah, yeah. We'll over it. Gavin started building a track, Jackson started doing the guitar hook that's in the song still and um just kind of fell out of us 
That's <laughs> awesome. I actually, I was curious when I saw the title and I was like, oh, okay, what's, what, what's so interesting about dust? But the hook was a really clever play on words and it kind of, it's, it's motivating. I liked it. I, don't, um, I thought it was very clever. So well done. Um, Thank you. One of the questions I like to ask is around co-writing and you kind of just touched on it. What was your first co-writing experience like and what's your what are the things that you've learned to do in a co-writing situation? Um, my first co-writing experience, gosh, uh, I would have probably been 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. So, And it was probably at like the talent development project with other kids my age, which is awesome. So we're all in the same boat, you know, just kind of working it out. Um, which I'm really grateful for because songwriting and collaborating can be very intimidating and I feel like starting with like-minded kids my age and discovering how to do it together really built up my confidence to then, you know, go into my first probably professional, I guess, co-writing session for my first EP with an amazing producer, Lindsay Rhymes and and songwriter and... I was so scared and I, I, through all those years of experience, you know, working out who I am as a writer and as an artist, as a kid, I walked into that session and I had my idea and we, the first song we wrote together was Lifetime, which was the title track of my first EP. Um, oh, nice. And I think every song we wrote made the cut for that EP, which was amazing. Um, but I think I've definitely veered off the question. <laughs> no, that's okay. Experiences and things that you've learnt from co-writing, like you've learnt to do X, Y and Z yeah. in a co-writing situation. Uh, I think just for me I, I've i learned that being prepared going into any session is like, well, that's the, the bottom line. You have to be prepared, I think. If you want to come away with something that feels like you and that something is, you know, that's your style, then, you know, it's in your best interest to have, a melody or an idea or at least a topic that you would actually sing about. I think, you know, as the artist going into a session, you need to come out with a song that feels like authentic to you. So I've learned that, you know, just to be prepared. I'll I'll never go into a session and not have an idea or a, at least a melody. Um, but I think the, the same kind of thing, you know, that I was talking about earlier with that sort of networking, social you know, anxiety or self in a doubt, it's the same as songwriting. It's essentially like speed dating a stranger and yeah. just putting all your emotions and thoughts out there. And you can't do that unless you fully let your guard down and, and trust yourself to open up and have, you know, something relevant to say that someone, you know, it's worth listening to. So yeah, it's, it's such a strange experience, but I absolutely love it. And it's a completely different um, experience writing for other people as well. So I do top lining sessions where I'm not the artist in the room and I get to get in someone else's headspace and co-write with them, which I, yeah, it's yeah, so awesome. much fun. Yeah. I enjoy the the creative freedom when you're not writing for a particular project um, or like your mm. project is, is beautiful. I think that's also, I think it's just the, the itch that you want to scratch every now and then. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> tell me about, um, your inspiration so if you could collaborate with anyone in the world dead or alive who would it be and why well I mean you probably get this answer a lot but come on like Taylor Swift she's like (laughs) (laughs) we've had her a few times after a couple of hundred episodes yeah (laughs) yeah just um I just think that it's so amazing and impressive to see 
a young woman take over the music industry, the entire music industry with her style and unique brand and just authentic songwriting and, you know, that the melodies, like everything about her songwriting was just so inspiring to me mm-hmm. um, as a young, you know, songwriter and artist wanting to do exactly that, the pop country crossover thing. So, I mean, she'd be... I'd love to get inside her head for a day and <laughs> write a song. It would just be the most bizarre experience. I think she's just so, uh, yeah, she's just got such a unique way of thinking and, and stringing, you know, words together to, you know, create create the most unique kind of phrases. But, yeah, she'd be amazing. But the original, you know, pop country queen was Shania, so obviously yeah. Shania Twain would be amazing. I'll, um, I'll come to that one. <laughs> oh, she's just, yeah, she's, yeah. she's great. Um, but there are so many, I mean, so many yeah. inspiring artists that would be really cool to collaborate with. I love it. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put all of the um, links to all your socials and your music and everything so people can find you and we're going to put a little blog together on the website, songwritress.com, so that you're really easily findable and people can check out your music and we'll chuck it to our playlist as well. Um, is there anything else you would like to share before we finish up? Um, well, thank you for having me. This has been um, so much fun. Um, I guess, yeah, just keep a look at I'm going to have so much more music coming. I just got back from Nashville um, for a month. I played CMA That's Fest right. over there. Yeah, I saw that. Awesome. So, yeah, so fun. Um, but I was over there and I wrote so many new songs. So they're going to be coming out, you know, over the next, you know, month, two, three months, six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check check it out on socials. I've got a new music video coming for Dust as well. Um, oh, yay. I was looking for that and I was like, oh, I don't think there is one, but yay. There's gonna... So when's that coming out? So hopefully next week. Um, we we shot a mammoth amount of footage. We did um, – we went shot out on the Monday, Monday planes while I was there for the bash and – uh, on a sand dunes and it's very epic and we also shot this gorgeous little boy at uh, the Grafton Rodeo, J&J Rodeo, um, which was really cool because it felt kind of local and yeah. um, he's like this aspiring, you know, little professional bull rider and he's, yeah, he's one to watch. So it's very cute and um, awesome. it's much fun to put Can't together. I can't so. see that. Yeah, we'll, keep looking we'll that, that one to share as well. Um, all thank right, well, thank you. you so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm really glad we finally got to have this chat and I'm sure I'll see you at some festival or Tamworth, if not anything else, next year. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thanks for joining our songwriter, Trist, today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website, songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can hear me. Wish I could scream or shout.